I mean, we have a horrifically unsuccessful rate of dieting in the world. Like globally, there's like a, it's less than 5% that people are able to actually keep weight off if they're overweight or obese. Yeah. So there's some huge missing pieces here. Eating disorders. Yeah. Or more along the lines of disordered eating. Yeah. And it's super common within the coaching realm, like people who are involved in being nutritionists and, and registered dietitians. And it's super insane. Yeah. It, you know what's super interesting is honestly hearing you bring that up because it's something that I actually notice in myself. And I have friends who clearly have disordered eating, you know, like we joke about it, but like I was working, I'm not going to name names, but I was working in the nutrition school and I had a friend who would literally like put her garbage in my garbage can so that it looked like it was not her eating it. And like she would hide it in her desk. So like students wouldn't walk by and see that, you know, like today we ate A&W, you know, like Mm -hmm. because we were so forefront in the administration area, we were all so nervous to actually show people what we ate because we had 60 students coming in a day watching us, right? And we're all nutritionists. So what does that say? Absolutely. That's, that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing initially to go through when you're doing it to, to sort of have that like vulnerability to, to actually be open with what you're, what you're eating and, and the fact that you still indulge like a human. I ate uh, an ice cream bar right before I got on this call with you. Like, you know, (laughs) like here, here's the reality of it, right? Like you're going to get stressed out. You're going to stress eat, but the, the trick is to actually like notice when you're doing it. You know, like, are you doing it because you're stress eating or are you doing it because you're actually enjoying, you know, that moment of like gratification? Like, hey, I get to have an ice cream bar and this is nice and you have no guilt attached to it. And you can just have the ice cream bar and not be like, oh, man, I'm totally going to like break out tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's the, the thoughts and feelings that follow too, like people who that's the crazy piece of all this. Like when you get into nutrition coaching or, you know, helping anybody with, with eating and so forth, the uniqueness of every individual and the fact that in some cases you, you should be encouraging, like you're encouraging the person to have an ice cream bar and go through the process of, Okay, then you have to be aware of what what follows. Do you feel like a piece of shit? Do you do you talk smack about yourself? Are you it's just a fascinating fascinating thing. And on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, you can of course have people who like you said they're unaware of the fact that they're just they're not eating the ice cream bar for pleasure. Mm. and moderate indulging it's like it's it's basically an escape it's a numbing it's a total stress related response and 
you know, obviously if you do it too much, then it's, it can be detrimental. So they would maybe need to go through an entirely different process to figure out uh, or to get to that level of awareness. It's just, it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, it's a lot of psychology. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much psychology and mindset plays a role as being a really good nutrition coach, because it does take that level of awareness. And I always say, like, if you don't have that awareness in yourself, how are you ever going to be a good nutrition coach, right? Like, if you can't see the behavior that you're using as coping mechanisms, like you said, or numbing mechanisms, whatever it is, like, how are you going to know uh, and recognize those in your, in your clients? So like, I've been watching you on Facebook, which is obviously like the evolution of like, what our conversations have started out from, <clears throat> excuse me, like five years ago, and all of those things. It's really interesting to see you how you're catching on to the mindset piece. So I'll say early on, but, you know, starting out as a practitioner, and I want to ask you, do you think that actually like relates back to you being able to connect with your body uh, through your sport? I'm just curious. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say through my sport, but definitely having been through the process of identifying, wow, I actually have a certain level of disordered eating. Mm. I would eat incredibly fast. I had in a lot of cases was, although very fortunate to be an athletic guy and into fitness and health. So I, I, for the most part, maintained a relatively healthy, lean body. But, but the, what was going on inside of this was not healthy at all. Right. It was over restriction followed by binging and the psychological warfare that followed it was this like cyclical on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. process and um all the things that I had learned and gathered in my studies was yeah I mean you can't you're right you cannot teach that unless you learn it yourself and go through it yourself and so having been through that and sort of seeing the light and going, wow. And you're right. I mean, I'm still very early into this and it was like a difficult process when I started bringing clients on, as I'm sure you experienced early on as well. You're like, wow, this is just so much beyond telling people what to remove and what to add. Yeah. How to move and so forth. Going back to like the conversations that I remember having you and they were few and far between because I feel like Sean always stole my thunder, even though we were talking about nutrition mixed with like sport mixed with personal training and all of those things. But I feel like the conversations that we used to have about nutrition were about what to add in and what to remove. Right. It was never about anything like, you know, we talked about the microbiome. I remember a conversation, you know, about that with you. I can't remember any of the other topics, but I remember that one specifically. And I feel like since then, I've discovered the same thing about nutrition and mindset around coaching, coaching other nutritionists for me and coaching anybody through anything really is all about mindset. And so do you... <clears throat> that's why I said, I guess, early on, you caught on to the mindset piece. So I don't want to be like, you're a new nutritionist, but like 
I've been in this game for a lot longer than you have. And I feel like I'm just figuring it out. So what was the ultimate like trigger for you? Do you think that, and what do you boil the mindset piece down to? Those are big questions. Great question. No, it's great. I, I would think for one, I feel very fortunate that I, that I laid my educational foundation with precision nutrition, to be honest, like I still am, I've since branched out in a big way and, and they, they advise you to do that. But I just think that they got me rolling along that path of understanding that it is way more about psychology than it is about actual nutritional science. Mm -hmm. And then the second most impactful phase was failing with clients like going through it. And that was the toughest part for me. And I kind of knew it early on because, and it's something I would love to even chat with this about you or with you. It's like, what's missing within this, this realm that we're in. And I say, we, I know that you've, you've got a different path and perhaps there's gaps to be filled within that. From, from my sort of avenue of where I've arrived, but knowing that you kind of have to just like jump in once you're, you know, sufficiently certified, of course, and ready to do this, there is a certain level of, okay, you have to essentially work out some kinks with real people. Yeah. And that was tough for me. Like I, I, it was really difficult because in so many other industries, if you're, if you're looking to improve, you know, there's, there's just a, maybe a less crazy way to go about it. Like where you don't have to use actual subjects. And so that's a long way of answering your question. Like when I started bringing on clients and tried to impose the, Impose is a bad word, but it's the, the learnings that I gathered and realized like, wow, this is not working. And, and you cannot just like try and help people how to eat more lean protein or vegetables. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that <laughs> like doesn't there's work. so much more going on. No. Well, and okay. so it was just like exploring all the other stuff that, that I had to do outside of that to make it work. Yeah. And I, I wrote some notes and I just want to stop you there and kind of respond before I lose my brilliance in um, my response to you. And it's, I say brilliance, who knows? It could be really boring, but. <laughs> can't, um, can't wait. Yes. Um, imagine. Okay. So imagine, <clears throat> like I'll use myself as an example, right? Like when I started Prepped with Love, the reason that I started with pre like Prepped with Love was which is my meal planning company, just mm -hmm. in case people yeah. don't know, right? Um, when I started that, essentially, I started it because nobody was following my plans. I failed with like, I mean, I had some successful people, right? Like the ones that I kind of coached in a certain way uh, were really successful. And so I kind of actually switched from a consulting uh, method like I had been taught in school, which was very like, clinical and reductionistic almost. And I could kind of mm. feel 
was going to be actually creating more problems than anything because it's like having you look so deeply into the issue which is necessary when you are in a clinical setting but when you're working in a fitness industry like i was it's usually just something very simple and so i switched to the coaching method and that's kind of when i saw like people actually getting change uh, getting change. That's really great in English, but you know, seeing improvements in their health was based on these little tidbits of information and not so much a huge plan that they had to follow over a long term period. It was really working on behavior change. And then I kind of still felt like people weren't getting it and weren't going through it. So prep with love was my way of just kind of simplifying it, it all for them and having them just eat the healthy meals I prepped. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, once I'm out of the picture, then what? You know, then what? Mm -hmm. Are they going to know how to do those things? And I do have one client, but she literally sat with me the majority of the time and watched me cook and kept all my recipes and all of those things. And I was coaching her while I was cooking. And so mm -hmm. I kind of feel like it boils down to knowing your values like and knowing who you are and knowing what your issues are around food and being able to really witness what's happening with another person and as a coach i think what's missing is that kind of intuition and connection with a person you know instead of looking at supplements and looking at you know macros and all of those things we need to be looking at the person. What's their life like? Are they doing self-care routines? You know, because eating well is really a form of self-care, right? So Absolutely. If, you, if you care enough about your body, you're going to eat well. And so that's kind of what's happened with me uh, in my journey too, right? With myself and my coaching. And I think that could be what is potentially missing with a lot of people. I don't know. 100%. Question for you, Lynn. So when you say that when you made that transition from more clinical to mm -hmm. coaching, mm -hmm. if you could summarize, like, what what is the big gap there? Yeah. So I guess when I say that, like, I mean, um, <clears throat> and I, I, I was actually going to write down here, like, did you have to do case studies when you were doing your precision nutrition? Like, did you have to do any kind of work? and then send it in and get kind of marked on it or no? Mm -hmm. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now were those like examples given to you that you just worked off or did you have to find a real human to work with? It's been a mix and I'm kind of still in the process. Like I said, I'm doing my, my level two currently mm -hmm. and that's been, <clears throat> I mean, in the level one, there was plenty of, of case studies in there, but, you wouldn't have to submit them. Level two okay. is more of a intensive year long everyday type thing where you're held accountable with a coach and so forth. So um, there's been case studies ranging from, yeah, like given a general framework of a person who's clearly suffering from orthorexia, let's say, and you have to sort of, they'll give you a few scientific articles to, to read that are relevant to the case and um, and then fill in any blanks and do a write up on it or find some creative way of basically showing them that you understand what's going on and how you would take 
what kind of action steps you would take to to help resolve the issue. So that's been a big eye opener. And I think maybe that's what you're, you're helping me answer my own question here. Cause that's kind of more on the clinical side of, of, um, you know, diving into the research and, and, um, figuring out things from that side of things. But I'm just curious, like even just from, because there's such a variance of ways to go about this, like mm-hmm. to arrive at a place where you can, help someone with their nutrition and hopefully I, it's still kind of the wild west too. Like Exactly. And that's the brilliance know. in it. Honestly, that is the brilliance in this field. So I'll answer your question now that I know what your case studies kind of look like. So it really depends what's interesting in this field and what's fun for me to, to look at um, coming from our background, so I went to Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and our case studies there are kind of set up to be more in line with how you would work alongside a naturopathic doctor, right? So like mm. you get somebody coming in with an autoimmune condition or gut issues or migraines, whatever it is that you're working on. And your job, like in these case studies, is to essentially break down the overview like are you looking at the whole human like what's their life like what's their eating habits uh what is their job like are they stressed out and then you have to look at the assessments that we do so we actually have like um a numerical assessment you know that tells us kind of what body systems are in or out of alignment based on their Mm -hmm. symptoms and severity and then from there you kind of have to deduct well what's truly at the root of this issue and for me, when I was marking case studies as an instructor, I literally would deduct marks or tell them that they were wrong if they didn't start with the gut, to be fair. Um, so that's kind of where I mean. And then our recommendations would fall in line of, you know, body, mind, spirit. So like de-stressing, um, making sure that you're eating on a regular schedule, um, taking supplementation, what else, you know, and if we thought that they should be seeing a naturopathic doctor, we would have to recommend out. So there was like things that we had to make sure that they understood and knew and they had to refer out when they needed to. Um, So that's kind of what I mean by more clinical in the sense that you're looking at every little piece of the person and making Mm -hmm. sure that there's research behind it, making sure that it's scientifically based. Um, and then pulling in from like the herbal world and Eastern medicine and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it is a really fascinating way of approaching it. However, <clears throat> for a student coming out of CSNN, if they're not going to go work with a naturopathic doctor, they're not going to be able to hand that five page report that they've created so seamlessly to their client and have their client comply, you know, like mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Probably nothing. They might take their supplements, but the, the, the reality is, is that the way we've been brought up, especially people who are older than us, it's almost like a reductionistic approach, you know, like, can I just take a pill? Can I just change my protein? You know, like, and you know this, right? Like you're smiling for a reason, right? Like you want the quick fix. And so I think if we have to say like, how do we fix the wild west? And I don't know, maybe you agree with this is like, trying to X the reductionistic approach and actually starting to remember how to feel and remember how to focus on ourselves and put ourselves first and, you know, really optimize your self-care. Um, 
and your client self-care and teaching them how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has to be. It's the only way. Because, I mean, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's such a, it's just, it doesn't work. People, like 90, there's a very small, from in my experience anyways, there's just a very small percentage of people who take those orders and just execute. Mm-hmm. Because there's always like that thing. It's Krista Scott Dixon, who's kind of one of the, the head of content creation and education at PN. She says like, you have to help them discover the thing before the thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's the most simple. It's like, even if it's okay, you've landed on, even in a clinical sort of mindset where you're like, this client needs to up their protein intake, let's say as an easy example, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you get them to do that? That's the yeah. thing. You're like, you can't just say it. You can't, you can't force just... it down their throat, you know, like. <laughs> and in most cases, they'll say, yeah, sure. Okay, great. That's easy. And then you have to be, you have to hold them accountable and be like, okay, okay, awesome. Right on. How are you going to do that? Well, you know, I'm just going to eat more. Okay. Well, tell me what's that going to look like. Um, okay. I'm just going to, I like chicken. I'm going to eat more chicken. Okay, what are you gonna... Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, you, it's, it's such a, there's just so much more to it. And so that's interesting to hear about your process and having not only gone through that education yourself, but then worked and there and, and graded those, those case studies for other students coming through and, and now being able to reflect on that and think like, what's missing Truth be told, there's so much to know. It's endlessly dense in terms of the nutritional realm. So you can you can study forever for the next 60 years and not learn everything that there is to learn with that more reductionistic clinical style of, of, of education. But then there's that whole other piece of it. It's like the psychology, the behavioral psychology and well, we're kind of what sparked maybe more of this conversation of like fixing the thing before the thing, fixing mm-hmm. the mindset to allow for people to know, not only know how, but be willing to make these changes and actually make them last, yeah. like have them stick. So they're not just doing these diets that, I mean, we have a horrifically unsuccessful rate of dieting in the world like globally there's like a it's less than five percent that people are able to actually keep weight off if they're overweight or obese yeah so there's some huge missing pieces here and and it's like that's another crazy piece of it that um i won't get sidetracked on but you see within this wild west that we've tagged it like there's people who get into it bless their hearts. They're, I give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they, they want to do good just like you and I do. And just like I did in the beginning and was like not helping clients. Mm. I was not helping clients get there sustainably and in a good way, even though I really wanted to, but you know, 
coaches are motivated by these transformations, these physical aesthetic transformations. So we're really incentivized to like, just be super accountable coach hard ass and like, come on, you can do it. Let's go. Like it's only three months, this program, because I want that, that, that final, you know, transformation pick. And I don't care. I'm not really thinking about what's this going to do to this person in five years. Yeah. And the research on that is very clear. They're going to regain it and probably more. They're going to be in a worse place than when they started with me, if I am to take that approach. So that's a whole other thing where as a coach, you have to like, I have to interject. Sorry. I I know you're on this thing, but I know why that is. (laughs) Do you know the scientific reason as to why that is? Why they regain? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the defense mechanism. Like the body will, will make it not only it'll, it'll do all that it can to stop further weight loss. It'll then make it, once you start eating in more of a surplus, it'll make it more efficient at regaining and storing that weight. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to also have like a third prong of that defense mechanism. That's, that's going to make future weight loss even more difficult. Yeah. And the hormonal aspect of it. But what I learned actually in a training that I took recently through metabolic balance, and they work on actually rebalancing the metabolism of somebody. So rebalancing like on a very cellular level of how to, you know, biologically help somebody get out of obesity and back into like a healthy weight. And what they teach is that it's the protein breakdown. So while you're losing the weight, if you're not consuming enough protein and your body's breaking it down, cannibalizing its protein sources, as you start to consume until you actually refill those protein stores, you're going to eat one and a half times roughly the amount of calories that you would have before. So it's like the overeating, like then you start overeating. So that's where you get the yo-yo dieting from Mm. is because the body's physically causing you to crave these things to eat more because you've been in starvation mode. And so it's like just reiterating that cycle of most likely behavioral eating, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and then feeling shitty about it because you're like, why can't I stop eating? I'm so hungry. Uh," You know, like, and, and then you feel like an asshole because you've just like lost all this weight and you're gaining it all back. And then you fuck your brain up. And that's my, my, technical term for it is that you just become like literally fucked up when you think about the way that you eat. 100%. I mean, that's a perfect way of meshing those two together because when you're not aware of that, so having that clinical, more clinical, like scientific understanding of what's happening, yeah, be really relieving the clients because the worst piece of it is that self-talk that follows, right? It is that, that like, why am I such an ass? Why am I the only person that struggles with this? They feel isolated and like they're just a loser and they have zero willpower when really there's so much more at play. Like you said, the hormones, their they're ghrelin and leptin's all mangled and they're just like, their body's fighting tooth and nail to get them back to that weight that it's found sort of a homeostasis at because they've been there for so many years. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very complex process, right? 
Well, and I, I wrote my little notes here. And I think that when we have to look at this subject, we have to really define what health means to us. Like, you know, like what does health actually mean? Does health mean that you're skinny and you're as the per like you look like that perfect person on Instagram or is health a different definition for you? And I think that honestly was one of my biggest shifts is like, you know, where am I at like right now? Like obviously for me, health is huge because of my fibro, right? Like I have to stay on top of my shit or else my fibro flares. So it's like, what's my definition of health? My definition of health is to feel like I'm not in a flare. And the only way that I know I can stay out of a flare is by having a routine, making it a non-negotiable. And I'm not talking about the routines that we typically see as like health coaches, like I must eat this amount of food and I can only eat this and I have to do this, like restriction or anything like that. It's really connecting with myself again, like taking the time to have space, taking the time to sit down and really like feel what I'm feeling in my body. It's like that itch that you have, you know, like the longer that you leave it, the more itchy it's going to get. Whereas if you just take care of it right away, it's going to get better. So it's like, if you give yourself that space and that time to like actually sit and be with yourself and start to learn how to feel again, you start to realize that a lot of the issues that you're causing or that are happening are being caused by you. It's you're not taking the time for yourself. Uh, you know, like it's more the excuses and the psychology behind it. Like I'm sure you heard, I don't have time, right? Like how often, right? I don't have time for that. What's another excuse that you hear all the time? Because it's probably the same ones everybody does, you know, like, yeah. <clears throat> I don't have time. My kids are too busy. I'm always on the run. I work nine to five. I work an 18 hour job. <clears throat> Who put yourself in that position, you know, to not take care of yourself. Like it's really just the body screaming back at you going, Hey, fuckhead, wake up. Like, dude, what are you doing to yourself? Like, yeah. and I think it does come back down to like the body, mind, spirit kind of aspect and recognizing like, you are you and you got to take care of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. It has to be that, that realization that's, and again, I mean, there's, there's situations with clients where, and I'm sure you've experienced this where you're like, yeah, wow. You know, you do have a load of challenges in front of you, but like, what do you want? What do you ultimately want? And that's again, why, you know, I've, the mindset piece that got kind of us sparked on this chat. It has to be for me and my process front loaded. It's like, we don't even talk about nutrition or, or movement or anything mm -hmm. until or sleep or any of that shit until like we've established a clear set of, you know, a, where you want to get to, like, what yeah. do you want and why do you want to get there? How does it connect with your true values and your priorities and your identity? And what limiting sort of thought processes and so forth, how do you think have been holding you back? Like people have to put in that hard work. It's like the person that reads all the self-help books that doesn't do any of the exercises. Like you have to do those 
chapter ending exercises because thinking through those things and writing things down and gaining that clarity is is everything it's what helps pull you through the shit when it gets hard yeah it's it's funny that you know i so I'm, i'm teaching like my mentorship program tonight and this is literally what we're talking about is like the mindset piece of it and it's like like i said you have to make that definition of what health looks like to you And then you need to define your goals and you need to know why you're doing them and how you're going to get there. Because like, you know, how, how do you know that you're actually achieving what you want to do if you haven't gotten there? And so I've kind of felt like my position as a, like as a nutrition consultant has actually moved more into being more like a life coach and, Mm -hmm. you know, figuring out what's holding a person back, what their limiting beliefs are, what the stories are that they've been telling themselves that are literally like keeping them stuck. And I, oh my God, I've said this word so many times in the last like two days, literally keeping them stuck in that position. Right. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you feel like you're more of a life coach now than like, you know, nutrition does have to play a role, but you know, in school, we are taught the body, mind, spirit aspect. And I don't know if PN does that as well, but I regret not taking that more seriously when I was learning about it, because I think that has really fueled me in understanding how to be a better coach. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I'd love to hear your experience with it. Cause it sounds like you did have an all encompassing sort of education with it mind body spirit it has to be that way pn very much does that as well Mm -hmm. but i don't think you realize it like for me from my own bias you get excited about the nutritional science you get excited about learning things that you can tinker on yourself with nutritionally and whatever else and we've already got that baseline level of interest in nutrition and fitness so i for me it it took it had it was necessary for me to go through that process that crunchy process that we've already kind of touched on with new clients where you're a new coach and you're like this isn't working and i don't know what's going on and why doesn't this person want to do these things they said they want this Mm. but there's deep ambivalence about like wanting this but doing this their behaviors are fully out of alignment with what they ultimately want mm-hmm. and so that's why i mean i'm curious like what is the missing piece it's like there's these great educational resources that do teach that but i think there's a there is a a, a area of opportunity within that realm where like if there was I don't know if it's a more intensive internship style thing where you need to shadow people and so forth and like get, I mean, maybe the, maybe the school that you went to and and also worked at does more of that, like actually conducting your own client sort of conversations with an expert right here, listening to Mm -hmm. you. And that kind of thing. There is like, it depends on the school you go to. And that's why I said this, it's like the wild west because all of us are kind of taught this different approach, right? Like I know for instance, like IHN and CSNN, like IHN has, um, 
what's it called? Like co-working kind of co-op placement sort of, right? And then mm-hmm. CSNN does more of the uh, case study aspect. And then I know Pacific Rim in Victoria does um, the more so like a, a student clinic sort of where they are watched by somebody. But in Pacific Rim, they're also taking things like acupuncture, uh, most likely, and, you know, things like that, where they are in a clinical setting and knowing how to have those very clinical approaches. But I also know that the mindset piece is huge with what they teach in that, right? But that's a really mm-hmm. expensive program, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's pricey. And I think you pay for it because you're kind of being taught more like a naturopathic doctor at that point, working in a clinical setting. So... Mm-hmm. When it comes to, um, just to answer that little piece of it, but I think when you're asking like what's missing in terms of figuring out the approach is I think that it, it, well, I see two issues here. So I think that it comes from wherever you're starting in your journey, right? So for example, um, I would say, I started my journey like kind of in the paleo world when I was doing kind of crossfitty stuff when Sean and I first met and I saw what paleo did for people and for myself and that fueled my interest in nutrition, but so did my gardening. So I think it depends on where you come from in the nutrition world because some people are coming in from a yoga background. Some people are coming in from a fitness background. Some people are coming in because they're coming in for their own health reasons. And I feel like that is what really fuels the style of how the practitioner approaches their business, what their niche is going to be, what their, you know, how they approach it. And I think that's all fine and dandy. We can all come from where we want to come from. But the reality is like, we're all human at the end of the day. And I just want to collect my thoughts because it's, it's coming. Um, we're all human at the end of the day. And if we're not addressing human nature, we aren't addressing, you know, the issue. And I think that we've gotten too busy in our lives and we've gotten too over, you know, we're overcomplicating everything and trying to look for the next distraction, right? Like when I talk about self-care, you know, somebody might really say, I go and I listen to my podcast and I go for a walk. Okay. Is that a distraction from actually being in your body and in your mind, right? Like mm-hmm. it could make you go- like feel good and it could make you feel like you're gaining knowledge. And I'm not saying we should ever stop learning, but are you again grabbing knowledge from another person instead of like really looking at what's going on in your mind, what you're saying to yourself and all of those things. And I think as nutritionists, like we can talk about food all day long and what we put in our body and how it affects us. Um, but I think if we don't look at like why we're putting that food in our body in the first place, um, you know, or what limiting beliefs we have or getting over the excuses that we have and, um, really calling bullshit, you know, not only on ourselves, but for our clients too, and making sure that we're clear on our values and the people that we want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're working or coming from, oh, that's like my bad, bad Lynn. Anyways, did you hear that ding ding? No. 
Good. I'm glad. <laughs> That's like faux pas number one on the podcast. Make sure you turn <laughs> all your dingers off. Um, yeah. Do you see where I'm going with this? Is like almost like I'm trying to really make sure that it's clear what I'm trying to say and get across is like, I think that we're going to attract the type of clients from where we're coming from and it's going to progress and change as it goes along. Right. Do you see where I'm going with that? It's like, that's what I think. And I think that people are going to feel unfulfilled and confused and lost. Like you are perhaps feeling right now. I'm not going to make, make you like, but I think that is it not possible that people could feel lost and confused in their journey because they haven't actually figured out what they value and what they want from their life and what they want to see for people moving forward. Like how do you want to project yourself into the world and make change? And then you're going to start attracting the people who are really meant to be following you and you'll start seeing those changes because when you define like what health truly is, like, I could sit here and look at my body and go, oh man, I've got an extra 10 pounds, but I feel fucking good. So can I drop the fact that I'm carrying that extra weight or do I need to look at why I'm carrying extra weight? Does, does the extra weight mean something else? You know, is it coming from another place? Yeah. You know? I like so much of what you said there. The, um, the piece that you mentioned about, um, you know, is, is that a, just to just like, that makes you feel good. The podcast walk, is that a, a distraction from actually learning more about yourself? What's going on inside? I mean, that's such a massive piece of, and kind of at a crossroad where I'm at, where funny enough, like it was business coaches that really helped me, break through a certain threshold with my with my coaching because they you hear it all the time you got to niche down but they really helped me go through that process even further like what who do you help Mm -hmm. and what do you help them resolve you have to get super specific with that and that's the beauty of the online approach as well is that you can you're not dealing with just people who are going to come to your gym within a certain radius geographically mm-hmm. you can get very specialized and very specific with who you help which obviously again is like you're saying where based on your background where you're coming from is who you're going to generally draw in but even that you can you can have those initial experiences where you go hmm like i mean i in in that coaching group i have there's guys who are you know, um, former bodybuilders or whatever who who just found a niche with like helping corporate women, let's say, and so on on a you know on on that level, there there's not they can't like speak to their the experience of their clients because they mm-hmm. haven't really they haven't been a woman and they haven't been a woman in corporate setting and so forth, but they just found that having coached a variety of human beings, they tend to resonate with that demographic and had really good success. So you have to go through that like shitty sort of early phase. And what I was sort of alluding to is like, 
questioning and wondering whether in the beginning there's just like you said there's such a variety of ways that you can go about this so is there a better way for those early people who like myself are really probably to a fault and I realize this now I was too empathetic and it needed to be more compassionate or not like focus more on compassion as opposed to empathy like feeling you know it's like that loving kindness in the face of suffering Mm. but not letting it actually affect you not taking it on yourself yeah and which is a huge huge piece because this world with this in this in our world the nutrition and health world and really you're right it's funny what you said earlier like are you a life coach or nutrition coach I mean that line becomes very blurred when you get into it so but you have to um it needs more people who care but a lot of people who care are kind of it's tough it's tough so they're they're they either get into it and then quit Mm-hmm. or there's a big big turnover as you know in this industry or they they don't get into it at all because they're like yeah man like I kind of recognize that that's heavy like you're dealing with people's deep deep issues so is there like a a better bridge it'll continue to evolve and get better i think we're on like a really good trend mm-hmm. with it because we are starting to realize like you see this more and more people aren't just preaching eat these macros and do this workout plan it's like no you have to go into the depths and figure out what is actually causing that like the problem isn't the problem Mm. it's the problem it's the actual problem problem that's causing the problem you know so well and I think that like you said we are on a very good trend you know I think people who become nutrition coaches we become nutrition coaches for a reason. And I think that this is going to go back to like what I said before is like, we become nutrition coaches for a reason. Maybe we don't recognize what that real reason is behind the reason. It's like the problem behind the problem. The real reason that we became, you know, we became nutrition coaches was because we see ourselves in a specific position, I think, in the world. Like, what's the ultimate reason that you became a nutrition coach? And this is a serious question, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a great question. I think it was, I would love to say that it's like this neatly gift wrapped revelation that I had, but it was just this gradual process of, recognizing my unique abilities and what I was already interested in and um and then again the the empath empathetic and compassionate standpoint where just realizing that what I the path I was on in the corporate realm of sales was not fulfilling Mm -hmm. and uh I was really fortunate in that it kind of was a gradual thing like I got certified almost for my own benefit with with maybe the in the back of my head intention of like maybe I will take on a few clients mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> and started doing that in my old job 
and thought, yeah, this is it. Like this will be what I will eventually transition into full time because the level of fulfillment and seeing that possibility of actually impacting lives as opposed to just like selling something. A hundred percent. So most nutritionists are impact driven. Like, would you agree with that? Like most Mm. of us are trying to make an impact in people's lives and you said it perfectly and I was waiting for it. I came from the corporate world. Do you know how many people come from the freaking corporate world into the nutrition world? Okay. Why? And I think it's for two reasons. It's like the people who are in the corporate world, you know, before they become a holistic nutritionist are a, a type personalities who are loving and caring and have like a lot of like a lot to give. And I think they also see themselves being a leader somebody who drives impact, right? You know, and they're not fulfilled in that position because either they're not recognized in their corporate world or they're not progressing because it's so elite. Like you have to have this. And if you can't advance, you know, like I think that becomes really wearing on the person themselves in their, like, I'm not going to say spiritual, but in their intuitive being, right? Like this is hippy dippy. I'm getting crunchy now in a different way is like, it's really not fulfilling for a person who is meant to be like an A type leader or somebody who um, is impact driven to be in the corporate world because we want to make change in a positive way. And you get to the point, I think, where you realize that when you're selling that really cold corporate kind of package, even when you approach nutrition consulting in that way, it doesn't work. It's not fulfilling. Nothing changes. And so I think when we come into the nutrition world from this like corporate world and we plunk ourselves into the nutrition world, which really has to be energy work. Like it is energetically, we are helping fuel change. And so we need to be giving people the energy um, to make that change. And we need to be there and hold them accountable. And that is a lot of effort. That's actually why I stopped consulting years ago, you know, was because I did not have any more energy to give anybody from the corporate world, you know, like from selling cars, like it wasn't fulfilling work. And now, now that I feel really rooted in what my impact is meant to be, it was really realizing my core values and what I knew I was meant to be doing in the world almost like, and that's why I said, are we life coaches? Are, do we need a life coach (laughs) too? Like, do we need a life coach to realize what our potential is in this industry? Because it's so vast and it's so, you, you can go in any field and somebody might be completely fulfilled by the, the corporate wellness, or they may be really happy doing, um, bodybuilding or work in the gym. They could be. But Mm -hmm. I think for a good few of us, we stop consulting because we don't feel like we're energetically fulfilled in the work that we're doing. And so it's really Mm -hmm. kind of defining what we want as a job, like what's at the root of it. Like, do you want to be coaching people to make life changes Um, or do you want to be just, you know, handing them a meal plan? 100%. Yeah. You have to get, it's just like what we said with clients, you have to get that clarity. You have to be clear on 
what it is you want to do. You're right. It's, and, and the, that's another beauty of it is like the, the modern world, you know, the abundance of, of options. Well, so it's noisy, it right? Be, like it's noisy. Exactly. Yeah. It's is a, it a distraction. Sword. It's a distraction. hundred percent. Absolutely. It is. There's, they do research on that. Like we think more options are, if you ask anybody logically, it's like, would you rather have, you know, five options of mustard at the grocery store or 30? They'd be like, well, 30. Like, and I really get it. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll get any, there's any option, right? <laughs> but it, it paralyzes us. It actually like, it fucks with our heads and makes every decision more difficult. And um, I mean, that's yeah another sort of tangent of, of that realm where you, if you recognize that in a client, like they're just so consumed by so much of that. Okay. That you got a whole other new strategy of like minimizing their decision fatigue throughout the day, especially yeah. with regards to food. But I mean, that's the cool, cool piece about it is that you can, you could literally do that right there. Like I help this demographic pick the right mustard. Really, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's the, like, you know, the right teriyaki sauce, you know, like whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, you can get really specific and, and sort of say like, Hey shit, I am, I seem to be really good at helping clients resolve this super specific problem, mm -hmm. you know? And then you can get sort of targeted with your content and, maybe it's something you've gone through yourself and you can just be vulnerable about it. And, and when you really hammer that home, when you nail that and you can speak to it and people read it and nine out of 10 are like, this is ridiculous or they don't even finish reading it. But that one that does mm -hmm. is like, Whoa, this guy is, this is me. This yeah. is me. I have to reach out to this guy. That was another piece of these, these business coaches that really helped me like, alienate he they said that alienate people like take stances figure out who you want to help and don't give a fuck about the person who will read it and it won't resonate and even one step further like they might even read it and be like this is stupid you might even have that like mental block where you're thinking about some person you know or a specific individual who might be like triggered by this but if you're help if you want to help that one person you got to go deep you got to like evoke that emotion well and i think that again comes back to stepping into knowing who you are as a coach too because you have to be comfortable with those people coming back to you and being like you're fucking weird like you're yeah, new yeah. thing and you can look back at them and go that's okay it's not for you you know, like, exactly. no, no, this isn't for you. I'm, I'm helping somebody else. Um, and I think that's what also like keeps people stuck it from, from starting their business is feeling like they're worried about what everybody else is going to think. You know, like if I put this out there and I am really who I am, people are going to like not want to be with me or want to coach with me or whatever it is. But it's like, the more you are yourself, the more you attract 
like the people that you actually want in your life and you want to actually be coaching. And so that's what I think is truly amazing about, you know, like really digging deep into making sure that before you even start your business, you know what you want, because that's going to help you define um, your niche, like you said, and define what you want out of your business. So like, do you know what your niche is and have these business coaches kind of help you get through that? Yeah, they have. So, I mean, even within that, as a preface, it's it's always changing, and I get more and more specific with how I help. But currently, I'm helping. Um, even the funny thing is, is, when I did Sean's podcast, I was I was niching into golfers. Right. I was sort of leveraging my my social credibility and past history with competitive golf and playing university golf and. Um, thinking I could sort of target that, that sort of niche market. And, and I still might tippy-toe back into that in a bit of a different way. But since then, my, my business coaches have kind of helped me, like, come to the idea of, okay, well, golf, unless you're helping golf professionals, that could be one route. Like, that's more of their career. I was targeting, like, Hey, if you golf, I'll help you. And it doesn't, it's not really specifically targeting a, a demographic and figure it's, it's not connected with how and what I'm helping them with. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've since gone, having been in the realm of sales for about a decade, like I said, in the corporate world, I now help guys who are kind of like anywhere from my age to 50 who are in sales and management. Mm-hmm. because I know that struggle and I know that there's so many common denominators there. Are, like you said, they don't have enough time. They're stressed out. So like the benefits that these guys get from something as simple as helping them integrate like digital detoxes on either end of their day, not answering, not picking up their phone first thing and putting it away for an hour at the end of the day. And maybe some, maybe five to 10 minutes of, of meditation, which again, within there, those two things seem simple, but they're really hard to integrate for some really hard. Yeah. If someone's habitually programmed to watch TV until they fall asleep or pick up their phone and scroll social media first thing in the morning, or if they just have a squirrely brain, like we all do to some degree and they try and meditate and think this is painful. Yeah. So, um, but again, if you can help them, it's, it's the other fascinating thing about coaching. It's like, you can know what works, but like, okay, how are you going to teach that? Yeah. And how are you going to teach that to different people with mm-hmm. different life experience? So, yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because you get to see, I guess like for me, it's really, it, it really has been like a journey. Like I said, like it's, there's been a lot of things that have happened, but I feel like everything that I've gone through in my life has kind of prepared me for this moment to help people. And so it's like really owning that story of you and who you are and how to really benefit from it, right? Like how can you use your sales tactics to convince somebody to put their phone down an hour before bed, right? Because it is selling, it's selling it. Like, Mm -hmm how, how are you going to get them to do it? And so it's, 
I, I mean, I still can't get Sean to do it sometimes. I'm like turning the light off at 9.30 and he's sitting there on his phone and I'm like, dude. And then we wake up in the morning and I was like, what time did you go to sleep last night? And he's like, midnight. And then he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And then he turns into this cranky monster and I'm like, I just look at him and I'm like, he's like, I'm tired. Well, who <laughs> is responsible for that? Like, who is? Like, it's, if you don't want to be tired, put yourself to fucking bed. Like, it's like our childhood dreams and realizing, you know, like, man, I wish I could nap. Okay, well, what's stopping you from napping right now? You know, like truly and honestly, what are the barriers that we have to work through? So like, what's stopping you from having that healthy breakfast? Well, I don't go to bed on time and then I wake up late and then I don't have time. You know, it's, it's really, it does become almost reductionistic again, but looking at the habits versus looking at the nutritional science or the research behind it or anything like that. It's just, where can we cut out those things and put in positive things? And then witnessing almost themselves, seeing how those positive changes actually take a positive effect on their life. You know, like if you're working with these corporate men and they start putting their phone down, what are some of the benefits that they've gotten from it? And making sure that they, it's funny, I, I set intentions or I set mantras and one of them is bear witness is like, did you sit down on your mat today for that five minute meditation? What was your intention for the day? By following that intention for the day, did anything come out of it? And making sure that you witness the positivity that has come out of taking that five minute meditation and having that space mm. for yourself and seeing and like truly bearing witness to what the positive change was. Um, because when you see those things, you're like, well, fuck, like, why didn't I do this before? It's so easy. And I think it's, maybe that's what's missing. And maybe I've just answered that question finally is like, what is missing is not only the space of, you know, taking the time to do those things that are positive for us, but like watching it and seeing it and witnessing it. Absolutely. I love that. And that's, um, it's, it's essential and it boils back to that intrinsic like within you figuring out what's going on inside the 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 one point i wanted to make on that is the funny natural ambivalence that exists within humans too because sometimes you'll go okay you know let's use the meditation example have you ever meditated before yeah yeah i did try it um not super consistently but I did it a couple of years ago when, you know, my sister started doing it, et cetera. Okay, cool. What, what did you notice? How was it? Oh, it was great. It was great. Okay. What was great about it? I just felt more calm, felt more relaxed. And, and so you start in the beginning, you're like, okay. And so why aren't you still doing it? Like you're stressed <laughs> out now, you know, it's this funny Thing. So one thing I wanted to ask you, Lynn, because you've been doing this for so much longer and something that I kind of actively struggle with is like, how do you kind of, um, when is it, when do you find it's, it's, it's good to be, because naturally within what we're doing, you have to push people outside the comfort zone, but to a certain degree, 
you know, if you just kind of playing that like subtle bad cop, it doesn't work as well. Like people get resistant and they shut down. So I'm curious when, if anything, you have sort of internal systems or triggers where you know, like, no, this person needs me to kind of be a bit of a, like a stern coach and put my foot down and be like, even if it is a bit condescending, maybe like you're like, well, okay, well, what, what do you want here? Mm. Right. Instead of maybe just being the, I, I find that troubling sometimes to sort of hit that, hit that sweet spot without pushing, pushing clients away while still being like, you know, caring and compassionate and them knowing that I'm doing it from a loving place. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, my answer to that is going to be, and absolutely, it's our job as a coach is actually to push people outside of their comfort zone. I really do Mm -hmm. think that that is part, and it's a fine art. It's like sales, right? Like you learn to read people and you learn to see what they need, right? And what makes a good coach and what makes a good salesperson is somebody being able to read a person, right? Like what's making them fired up, what's causing them to withdraw but is um, really like a sticking point. And that's usually where you should really like hone in is like that sticking point that they are really resistant to. But I think also on that, I'm going to say too, that is like when you're pushing your values on somebody versus helping your client figure out what their values are, you're not going to get that change and they are going to withdraw from the program or they're not going to be receptive to what you say and probably not be successful. Right. So the reality is that it's super important to help them determine what their values are in working with you, help them set the goals. Like we talked about earlier. Um, but also like, making sure what those changes could potentially bring to them. And your job as the coach is to make them do the things that make them uncomfortable. So for me as like a business coach, you know, maybe somebody won't get on top, like in the video. Okay. Well, what's the first vid- like step that we could do for them is like get them on video in front of a small group, you know, like, or just to send me a video, like have them talk mm-hmm. to themselves, hear their voice, send it to me, feel like they're safe. Right still getting them to kind of hop past that barrier. Um, but you know, finding the right moment to do it. So I think it's like, yeah, really making sure you're not pushing your values on them and you're listening to what they truly need and helping them figure that out. Because when they come up with the idea, they can then take responsibility for it. Whereas if you come up with the idea, they, they may not feel that responsibility in it does that make Mm -hmm. sense perfect sense okay that's that's bang on absolutely it's it's um yeah like so much of this is never this like neat sort of it's not a neat process let's just say that and i i've been coaching that like that's why i started the holistic nutrition hub in the first place was because the process was so messy and Mm -hmm. I was able to see that very early on, like mostly from a business standpoint. And obviously now my journey is kind of progressing more into making sure the mindset is right. 
because how do I coach business and get people fired up about their business business if I am not in that position, right? So it really mm -hmm. did come down to figuring out like what I wanted out of my business, what I wanted out of my life, what I wanted my my day to look like even. Like how do I balance that self-care that I want or need with business that actually makes me feel happy at the end of the day, right? Um, and I think I've now kind of merged those two together is like the, the business side, which is tricky in and of itself, like starting a business isn't easy. And then also like, how do you become a good coach and what makes a good coach and what you actually have to do in order to get there? Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, nobody talks about it either because what happens is like the schools and the alumni associations, they pick the nutritionists that have either gotten lucky or have like put in years of work and now they're advertising it. Like, look what our graduates did, you know, they're amazing. And all these nutritionists are seeing those people and they come out of school thinking, oh, well, this person did that, but they don't know the reality that business is like, it takes five to 10 years to have a business. 90% of businesses are going to fail. Um, you know, that it takes a lot of fucking work and digging through mud and trying to figure out like where your place is supposed to be. Um, and so, um, yeah, I really do think that it has to do a lot with um, that. Yeah. Just having, it's, it's, like, it's like Instagram, right? Like we see people in a position that we want to be in, right? Mm -hmm. But then we don't ever take the steps to get there and it might be false advertising, right? Big time. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That Speaking of Instagram, that's, that's a platform I'd like to no Watch longer be on. Oh, no longer be on. Ooh, I'm in. Let's talk about this because that's also a hot topic for this week for me. Tell me more. <laughs> no, I, you know, social media lit is a funny one for me. Like I, I kind of went from zero to hero with it because I didn't even have the apps on my phone. I had accounts, but didn't have the apps on my phone before I was doing this and recognize it just as this it's it's awesome let's be real for what we do you, you it's an amazing resource and it's yeah. been the it's been where 99 percent of my businesses come from so i'm forever grateful for it for giving me the the start i do sort of see these inherent like um issues with with it not just it but my relationship with it. So I've had to set really, really like incredibly rigid rules with it. I've set all kinds of, um, yeah, just parameters to keep me from being on it unnecessarily. But, um, it is something that, that I'd love to eventually outsource and, and kind of looked and actively looking to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's a, that's an interesting one. I'd love to get your thoughts on that too. Like, you know, with, with regards to avenues within what we do outside of social media, there's definitely some outside the box things. If for those who like myself, who get extreme fulfillment, love the coaching aspect, um, even love like educating. I, I like challenging myself to get on video and talk about something but i i like doing that within you know a, a private 
Facebook group for my clients, mm-hmm. for an example, and not not because it's like less daunting than being live in front of my full audience, but because again, I'm open. I I find meaning in that discomfort. So, but just from more of a um, for coaches who aren't necessarily like wanting to be the the social media superstars, and there's obviously a spectrum within that. It's not all or nothing, but um, you know what avenues are there for 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 kind of not being in that realm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that you can do that's not on social media. And when I said like this week's like a hot topic for Instagram for me, I just find like there is a lot of censorship and, Mm. you know, especially for people who are trying to really have an impact. um, You know, I, I, I could give a story, but anyways, I see it happening with somebody who I've been following for a long time and she's about really just showing you, what a woman's body looks like after you've had two kids, right? Like nothing provocative, nothing crazy, but like she has this one picture where she's like bending over and she's got her hands covered, but you know, her tits are like completely not asymmetrical. Right. And, but she doesn't show anything. And this got censored on Instagram. And really her mission is to show women like, dude, this is what we fucking look like. Don't give like any shits about all these other women who are like, putting their booties out and all of these things and it's incredible Mm -hmm. because you see other women where it's like they're wearing the most thin shirt you could possibly have nipples out you know and so it's really a platform that you have to know that they are censoring it and what you are seeing is based on somebody else's opinion of what you should see and so I do Mm -hmm. I, I did actually a webinar last weekend and I said the first thing you can never cut out of being a good coach is person-to-person interaction, mm-hmm. you know, because it is so valuable. And to really read a person and feel a person's energy, you have to be, you know, connected to them in some way. And, you know, this works, Zoom works, the way we're doing it works to some extent, but nothing does a better job than sitting down with that, co- like for coffee with somebody, whether that's, you know, I could sit down with a coffee here and we could have a serious conversation like we are, um but yeah person to person contact so like for you mm-hmm. you could be going into corporate businesses and saying hey look i'm a coach on this this is my niche i think it would be valuable in your business because of this you could mm-hmm. go to a networking event um i bet you you would find 90 clients there <laughs> you know because most of them are going to be in your age range it's going to be busy mm-hmm. professional men between the ages of 30 and 50 um you could run workshops, you could run, you know, like there's any numerous amount of things that you can do. But I think, you know, for you, you kind of have an edge because you're a male and, you know, 95% of our people in our nutrition group on Facebook are female. So Mm -hmm. you do have a huge edge. You are working with a market. Like some of us do work with men, but it's usually based on like prostate health or something along those lines. Right. Mm -hmm. or hormones or whatever it is whereas like you are working in a field that is like almost untapped by Mm -hmm. a male by a male admitting that he's coming from the corporate world right Mm -hmm. so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of room to grow you could hit the crossfit gym and do a nutrition talk there and how many men your age would you find in there 
lots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, that's the cool piece for sure. There's there's definitely um definitely lots of opportunity out there for sure. Yeah. I think it it's awesome. Like honestly, it's really nice to talk to you about nutrition and about mindset and have you be open to talking about it because I don't think a lot of us female or male talk about how we feel in the industry, how we feel you know, with the roadblocks that we come up against too, as practitioners, you know, nobody talks about that stuff. And I think it's, it's like secrecy almost like, Oh no, we're not perfect. We talked to, you know, we touched on this a bit at the beginning, but like, I think it does really boil down to having these open conversations. And so I I really have been enjoying this. (laughs) Thank you. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's the, likewise, it's, I think that's the magic pill too. It's like, for us, I know with my content, initially, I had the biggest surge of clients when I started getting vulnerable, yeah. like deeply vulnerable, like actually where I would, you're about to hit that post button and you're like, eesh, like this is, this is heavy. And uh, there's certain people I might not want to know this or put this out there. So just like, like you said, it comes full circle with what we started off with, like the the colleague hiding a and w in your garbage bin like she's gonna hate uh, that i shared that on here like i really <laughs> hope she never listens to this because names. she's gonna be like i didn't say any names so i'm okay but she knows who she is and so <laughs> she'll hate me but anyways you know who you are <laughs> you know who you are well she knows who she is like because it's a yes. huge topic of interest between like our closed circle right like Um, we've talked about that and how like we've actually recognized, I talk about this with my best friend who's an RHN as well, how we've recognized our disordered eating, you know, and how it's actually started by getting too invested in nutrition, you know, like Mm. really diving down the rabbit hole and, and going that way. So yeah, I do think it does. We do have to have these conversations more often with one another. For sure. Yeah. Maybe I was going to say, maybe she'll, she'll come on the podcast next and talk about how she overcame that. I, I, I highly doubt it because I'm not sure she has yet. Okay. <laughs> not there yet. Yeah. Garbage pins. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Did you have any other things that you wanted to talk about today? I mean, we can stop recording and you can ask me more personal things, but um, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else we could really cover today that, you know, touches on the mindset piece. Um, But if you have a burning question or thing you want to say, even. That was, I think we covered a lot of ground and that was an awesome conversation. So thanks for having me on. That was phenomenal. I am super glad to have had you here. I just want to also ask you for fun. What book are you reading right now? If you are reading a book, well, you've got Good it there. Good question. I, I do actually. <laughs> um, I'm reading, I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, but okay. I just bought this too. It's called uh, Food, the Food and Feelings Workbook. It's by oh. Karen Koenig, um, but it's a full course on like, or she calls it a full course meal on emotional health and its relation to eating. It's kind of been, um, yeah, this, this new offshoot 
where real quickly, I'll, I'll try and make this concise, but like when I think about, you know, what the coaching realm is going to possibly morph into, mm-hmm. I think about even just, if you as a coach, maybe this is sort of more targeted to the other coaches watching this, but when you think about like job security and you know how the most important thing you can think of is like, how are you going to be valuable down the road as, as I think about this a lot, like as AI develops, as these softwares become more advanced and basically they're already delivering everything a human needs to be healthy, but they're missing that piece that you mentioned, the the person to person interaction, the health of a coach and client relationship. So my mind goes off kind of looking forward in terms of like, where am I going to get the most fulfillment? Where can I provide the most value based on my like fundamental character traits and um and what are the most challenging things so this this book was really kind of like me thinking about yeah i mean people who emotionally eat and have eating disordered eating they're really challenging clients and they're and that to me is actually quite inspiring for in in two ways a it's the most fulfilling to help them through their shit because of the biggest challenge and B most coaches shy away from that shit because it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so if you can like, if you're willing to go into that, you know, difficult realm, learn enough and go through enough of that learning process with clients that you can actually help them resolve specific issues, man, your, your services are going to be forever needed. I think you honestly hit the nail on the head. I think a good coach, when they are thinking about what they want their business to look like or they want um, their lives to look like, they kind of take a mix of their history, right? Like what their skill sets are, what they're good at, what they're interested in, what's fulfilling, um, morphed with or mixed with what challenges they've come up against, right? Going through their own nutrition journey or whatever, And I think, you know, for me, like, I realized that I was meant to help people heal, however that was meant to be. And so I really look at myself as being more of a healer and not, and we're not allowed to use that word, but I mean, by healing, I mean, in any way imaginable where people are actually at, right? So I feel like my position right now as a business coach, for example, or as like a nutrition business coach is to help people heal from their own things so that they can learn from their own experience and their own healing journey to help other people heal. And I think if we kind of make ourselves in a niche where we kind of take that stance that we can help people wherever they are at you'll always be needed somewhere, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what makes us really special as nutrition coaches is because most of us do have that empathy and that compassion and want to really have an impact on the world. So it might morph, maybe your niche morphs morphs along the way. But I think as long as you know that you're going to be meeting the person where they are at, 
and addressing their values and their issues, you're always going to be needed in the world. I mean, if you think back to tribal times, they had shamans, they had people help people, like they had healers or leaders help each tribe member figure out who they are and what their place was in the tribe. We're totally mm -hmm. missing that now. Nobody teaches us that anymore, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's, yeah. I, I, that's my standpoint on it. And I think that's, um, like I said, you hit the nail on the head, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's, um, it's a bit crunchy, I know. It's very you can true. Say it. You can no, say I like it. it. I like it. I want to be a shaman. <laughs> Me too. I literally, gonna... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's literally like what my meditation, I'm like, I was a shaman. I know I was like, <laughs> it has to be real. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Like how do you become a shaman? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to Google that once we get off this call and if how you, to become a shaman. a shaman. If you really want to find somebody who's going to like light your fire up, um, watch Sad Guru if you have not. Okay. Um, Sad Guru. Yeah, I, he blows my mind on a daily basis. Everything I watch, really? I'm like, oh, wow, like that's intense. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're going to love him. And he's I'll so relatable to like people these days. So that's my little tidbit of what I've been digging into. So you'll definitely, he'll resonate, I think, for sure. I like that name. Just he, I already like him. Sad right? Guru. It's, He's it's, like it's buddies with like, Will Smith too, which is oh, just wow. even cooler. Well, you know, like because I love Will Smith. Fresh Prince. Yeah. I mean, come on. You got to be cool if you're hanging with Will. Exactly. He's really cool. Will's cool. Sad Guru's cool. Um, yeah, but check him out. Anyways, so, I. He sounds like it could be like a hip hop artist too. Sad dude, Guru. dude is like. Okay, well, he literally figured out that he was supposed to be a shaman by, like, riding his motorcycle looking for a specific mountain that he saw in a vision. Jesus. And he literally found it and now has built his, like, his, like, um, ashram on it. Wow. Right? From, like, a really young age, too. It's, like, super crazy. Uh, his story is yeah. remarkable. But, um, yeah, it's, like, a, a guru in modern daytime. Uh, which That's right. Yeah, he's really interesting to listen to. So it's it's funny because Sean will come up and he'll be like, so-and-so told me about this guy, Sad Guru, and said that you might be interested in him. I'm like, dude, I've been listening to him for like a year and a half. But it's like <laughs> he's really starting to make an impact in like the fitness world too, which uh, okay. more with like the PRI folks and the um, Feldenkrais guys and that sort of mm -hmm. and yoga folks. But um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Where I'll check them out. Yeah. Anyways, I will stop recording. I just wanted to say thanks again for being here. And um, thanks for the inspirational talk. I literally feel like you encompassed everything that I've been hoping to touch on. And it's nice to hear that you're thinking about these things too. And I'm not alone in, uh, <laughs> in this, you know, train of thought, I guess is the best way of putting it. You are not. Thanks so much for having me on, Lynn. That was awesome. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime.